0: It's time to play like a Jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Play like a Jet. What does that
1: mean? Here's Donald. carry it out. Deep ball. Separation. Caught. Robbie Anderson. Goodbye. Touchdown, Jets. The whole
0: NFL is watching.
1: Of fourth and ten.
0: And here they come. Make
1: pass catch. It's intercepted by Mosley. Down be the to top. Bell breaks tackle. Bell trying to go over.
0: Touchdown, big return for Crowder. And he's gonna go all the way. Touchdown 85 yards. Looking downfield, fires this one and intercepted at the 34. Jamal Adams goes down on the ground
1: and takes it away. He'll hit immediately he yes. got the handoff. You know what? <laughs> the QA. Oh my gosh! Listen, thank you.
2: From the Vivid Seat Studios, where by the way, you can get up to a hundred bucks on your first ticket purchase after you download the Vivid Seats mobile app and use the promo code OVERTIME. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter, at Play Jet one And I am joined to break down all the latest craziness around the league, but most importantly, the roster decisions of the New York Jets as they settle on their first draft of their 53-man roster by the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at jetsinsider.com, and of course, above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbly. So, Chris, let's start with the blockbuster trades, two of them today. Wow, there was some shakeups around the league. Jadavian Clowney leaves Houston, but they get themselves Laramie Tunsil. So let's start with the Jadavian Clowney trade, Chris. Third-round pick and two disposable parts. Josh Martin, not the same guy that played for the Jets. The sixth-round pick of the Seattle Seahawks. And Barcavius Mingo, who was a high draft pick years ago, but hasn't really turned into anything in the NFL. So essentially, they ended up giving him up for a third-round pick. And for the Seahawks, this is a brilliant move because now they get to rent him for a year with the option to buy. What I mean by that is if they let him go at the end of the season because they determine that they don't want to give him a huge long-term contract, the third-round pick they gave up comes back in a compensation pick. Otherwise, they're free to negotiate long-term and keep him around, and the cost is nothing more than a third-round pick. So for Seattle, this is truly a no-lose situation. For Houston, let's be honest, Chris, they put themselves in a position where they were backed into a corner. They should have tried to trade him earlier, but it took them way too long to figure out that they weren't going to get a deal done. Clowney threatened to lay bell them, and what I mean by that is he said he was going to sit out the season if need be and not sign his franchise tender unless he was traded to a place that he wanted to go. That place was going to either be Philadelphia or Seattle. I guess Seattle stepped up with the better offer, and so that's what happened, and Houston took what they could get because they obviously believed Jadavian Clowney's threat to not play in 2019. So I can't kill the Texans for the actual terms of the deal. They took what they could get because they had such limited leverage and such a limited number of teams that they could deal into, the mess up here was the process leading to this point. But a great deal for Seattle. And as we later found out, this third round pick would help replenish some assets that Houston was going to need.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's it's super weird because of the following trade that we're going to end up talking about next makes you think about how the Texans are in win now mode. But if you're in win-now mode and you have over $50 million in salary cap presently, why are you also trading away Jadavion Clowney? Um, and from everything I heard and I've seen reported, Jaden Clowney was ready to report until he heard news of him be, uh, being shopped. And that's when he was like, well, I'm only going to sign if you trade me to certain places. So if, if you're going to make a big win-now move like uh, the trade that we'll talk about next, it seems weird to ship Clowney out but especially when all you're getting is really a third-round pick and two guys. Uh, but for Seattle, this is big because he's a perfect fit in Seattle in that defense. This is going to really help them. That's a huge win for them. And, again, to just get give up what little they gave up. And like you said, they get a rent him for the year on a relatively cheap deal. And at worst-case scenario, he plays this year. He goes signed somewhere else and they most likely get that third round pick back in a comp pick. So this this is a win all around for Seattle. It's a little confusing for the Texans because you're in win now mode, why would you get just get rid of a player like that? But it's what they did. So I I guess at least they can uh be enjoy having that third round pick to uh replenish their draft picks because they are running out of them at this rate. By the time this podcast is finished, we might have learned that they don't have another draft pick for the next seven years because it seems like more and more uh, (laughs) picks keep being included with every uh, report about the details here.
2: I guess he just felt like after he heard the trade rumors, he didn't feel welcome anymore, almost like Jay Cutler. After the rumors emerged that the Broncos had been pursuing Matt Castle, he decided right then and there he no longer wanted to be a Bronco. He didn't feel welcome And decided that he wanted to be traded. So I suppose it's kind of similar in that regard. But now Jadavian Clowney moves on, but the Texans were able to fill their biggest weakness, and boy, did they fill it. They went out and they got one of the best young tackles in the NFL, Laramie Tunsil. There were all kinds of rumors that there was some sort of deal going on, and Chris, I know you have sources that talk to you about this and what actually happened behind the scenes with the Texans and the Dolphins, but now Tunsell and Kenny Stills. Head to Houston. Apparently, Houston was looking for a third receiver to go with Fuller and Hopkins. Now they get it. And obviously, Tunsell is the guy they desperately needed because that offensive line was their Achilles heel. They were going to get Deshaun Watson killed. And now they add... Not just an upgrade at left tackle, but the upgrade because you could make the case that Laramie Tunsil is one of the top two or three left tackles in the league, especially if you're talking about guys that you want over the long haul. Because you talk about, say, somebody like Trent Williams, who's in his early 30s, you don't know how many more years he's got left. Laramie Tunsil is 25. So this is a huge move for Houston. And I think that a lot of what happened here, too, is that they looked around and saw that Andrew Luck retired and realized this is their big challenge. Chance Because that division is relatively weak, especially now with Luck gone, they might be able to get themselves a one or a two seed. And at that point, they put themselves in the driver's seat and give themselves a real chance at a Super Bowl. So they figured they better go ahead and make a move like this. But the thing about it is, this is a move that wasn't just made for this year. This was a move that was made because they're looking at having the Laramie Tunsil, Deshaun Watson combination in place for the next decade. And I got to be honest, from what I looked at, and it sounds like it was two first-rounders and a second, I still would have done it every single time because when you're able to get a guy who's that good at a position that's that important and he's that young, you go ahead and you make that move every single time, especially if you have what you believe to be a franchise quarterback. So a very steep price, and we may find out that it ends up being six first-rounders, Chris, because they said details are still coming in as we record this. But as of now, it's two firsts and a second for Stills and Tunsil. And that's a price I personally would have been willing to pay if I was making the decisions in Houston.
1: All right, so I'm going to start here, and I'm going to tell everyone listening to take a mental note right here and apply it to when we start talking about Ja'Kai Polite later. Uh, because I was talking about Ja'Kai Polite earlier, and people were coming at me was arguing all types of stuff I wasn't saying. Um and with with this trade right now the texans it, it, right now today yes the texans should make that trade i'm all for the texans making that trade but imagine just imagine if they didn't allow the eagles to jump them in the draft one spot and they could have drafted the left tackle andre dillard and you see how great he's looked in the preseason now they they could have drafted him if they if the eagles didn't jump him and then they could have saved all of that caps, uh, all those draft picks and everything that they gave up. So the fact that they waited so long to address this obvious need is, is what I am going to object with the Texans here. But once they already did that and it was too late and this was the only move to make, go ahead and make that move. So I, I'm all for making the trade It was on today. It was the right move to make. But if they had done something sooner months ago, if they had months ago, they had done something better in a, in a correct way, they wouldn't have had to do this and give up all these future assets, but it's a huge win for the Texans uh, this year. And like you said, in the future, Tunsell is a young, a younger player of, uh, we're drafting, you know, t- uh, offensive tackles just on this year. He's, he's not going to be nearly as high as if you're talking long-term uh, young tackles there, just like you said, Um Miami, it's always a risk when you deal a player like Tunzel for draft picks because now those draft picks got a hit. They, they got three top-quality draft picks out of this deal that we know of right now. Could be more like we keep joking about, but they got three of them there. Now you got to hit on those, and still, even if you hit on them, there's a, a, a decent possibility that they don't equal up to as valuable a player as Laramie Tunzel. So, uh, obviously, the fish tank is on in full force right now. Uh, the Texans bolstered their roster. Huge help for Deshaun Watson, their running game. And uh, Kenny Stills is a really nice piece to add with uh, with Hopkins and with Will Fuller. Uh, he's a, a really good fit there. I, I like that. This has to make them the heavy favorites to win the division, most likely. Good move what they had to be done, but – If they did something different just a couple months ago, they could have avoided giving up all these draft picks.
2: Hey, guys, as we get older, there are things that unfortunately we're just not going to be able to control. One of them, sad to say, is hair loss. In fact, two out of three men will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the age of 35. It can be a little depressing until you remember that keeps exists. What's Keeps? Simple. They're a company that offers proven treatments that can combat the symptoms of hair loss. You don't have to make an appointment or go to the doctor, not with Keeps. You visit a doctor online and have your medication delivered right to you. They're up to 90% effective at reducing and stopping future hair loss. In fact, lots of guys even experience hair regrowth with the treatment. Log on to Keeps.com and click to get started. Choose the plan that fits you or let Keeps doctors decide. Sound good? Sound good? i got a special offer for you. Go to com slash overtime and receive your first month of treatment free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash overtime. And take advantage of this incredible offer today. Play like a jet. Play like a jet.
0: With your host, Scott Mason.
2: Laramie Tunsil is a guy that I honestly don't think people realize how good he is. If you go and you watch his tape and... I recommend doing this. You can go and watch Travis Wingfield has broken a lot of it down. You can go to LockedOnDolphins.com. You can follow Travis on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. But Laramie Tunsil dominated pretty much everybody he went up against last year. He's getting better and better and better. And as I said, if I was drafting a left tackle right now based on guys that are in the league, he might be my number one pick, and he's only 25 years old. So that's a cornerstone piece. If you have the opportunity to get a guy like that, especially when you have a team that's ready to win now and a quarterback that's young and needs to be protected for the next 10 years, I'm absolutely making that deal. And it sounds like... This was a situation where Houston thought they had a deal to get Tunsil involving Clowney. Clowney nixed it and then after they made the Clowney deal, they went back to Miami and said, even though that deal that we were working on didn't work out, we still want Tunsil. What's it gonna take even with Clowney off the table?
1: Yeah, that's that's my understanding of what happened. Um that they had a deal worked out and my uh clowney went to Miami but decided he didn't want to play uh play there. So they couldn't do a deal, and then they focused on getting uh, sh- shipping him elsewhere. They got that done. They circled back and said, No, we still want Tunzel. And uh, obviously, Miami was willing uh, to, to trade Tunzel for Clowney. So they, they were saying, Okay, well, now we just have to make it work out with the draft picks and player swaps and whatever else they have to do. But uh, that's that's how my understanding is how it went, and that makes all the sense in the world. If you were that close uh, for doing it for Clowney, it's not like Clowney is some as, as great as great a player he is. He is. He's not some you know super rare type of player that you can't can ever find. If you were willing to trade up Tunsil, trade Tunsil for Clowney and, a, and some picks, then you should be able to be willing to trade uh, Tunsil for even more picks.
2: By the way, this is outstanding news for the Jets because this means that the two times a year that the Jets play the Dolphins, specifically this year, they're going to have a much easier time with that Dolphin offensive line because as talented as Leonard Williams, and everybody knows how much I love Quinn and Williams, those guys going up against tunsil that's a really tough matchup because, like I said, Tunsil dominated just about everybody he faced last year. Now you're facing somebody who was Tunsil's backup before, Or maybe they land somebody in a trade just to fill the gap. But either way, that's a massive drop-off. And the Jets' defensive line should do really, really well in those two matchups now. So good news for the Jets. And I think it's great news for the Houston Texans as they get themselves a cornerstone piece. But Chris, before we get into all the stuff that went on with the Jets, there's still other news around the league. The big stunner today, LaShawn Shady McCoy gone. The Buffalo Bills cut bait. The problem with Shady McCoy is that he's been trending downward. He's 31 years old. And obviously, if the Bills had kept him, he was going to be making a lot of money this year. They have a promising young running back that they think is going to be their feature back and help out Josh Allen, their other running back. So I think that this move was certainly something that made sense for Buffalo, even if on paper you're thinking to yourself, wow, Shady McCoy, how could you cut Shady McCoy? For a team like the Bills, there really was no sense in keeping an expensive older (coughs) running back who is in decline. Maybe he goes somewhere now where they think that they can contend right away and he could be a piece for them, but I just don't think he made any sense for the Bills, especially at that salary. So even though it was shocking to see his name among the cuts, makes total sense to me.
1: Yeah, it's Devin Singletary time in Buffalo. Uh, I, I wasn't surprised by this at all. They had so many running backs, too. They drafted him. They added Frank Gore into it. Uh, it just it, it was one of the things where there was the writing was on the wall there. All the moves they made in the offseason, it seemed like, alright, they were going to move on from Shady, save that. I think he counted 9 mil against the cap or something along those lines. So, that makes all the sense in the world. I really like Singletary, too. So, like, if if you haven't had your fantasy draft go make make sure to prioritize him if you have go see if you can scoop him up on the waiver wire if somebody else wasn't smart and and drafted him in the late rounds cuz all the all the drafts I was doing I was scooping him up in the late rounds cuz he's going to be a really good player and uh the presence of Sean McCoy didn't scare me at all because it was obvious last year of his contract at that, that type of number at his age and the way he's been trending, it wasn't going to, they weren't going to keep him around at this point. So um, <laughs> if Jets fans sit there celebrating that release, thinking that's a good thing, I wouldn't do that. Uh, you know, it's it's not something to be scared of obviously that he's gone, but uh, I don't think this is going to uh, have a negative effect on the, the bills at all
2: go through a couple of quick ones and then after we go through the Jets roster we'll talk about some guys that were released that the Jets might want to target but Matt Bryant who a lot of people had thought might come in for a tryout with the Jets he ends up going back to Atlanta so for those of you dreaming about Matt Bryant showing up not going to happen Big contract extension for Miles Jack. He gets a four-year, $57 million deal. So Miles Jack and Jalen Smith, two guys that had major injury issues that caused them to drop in the draft, guys that were thought to be top five players, they ended up recovering from the injury and getting themselves the big fat contract that everybody thought they would have earned straight out of school. So really glad to see that. That's awesome news. You never like to see players have their financial futures jeopardized by a freak injury in college. Thankfully, this ended up only temporarily costing both of those guys. Also, Houston gets themselves Carlos Hyde. They were looking for a running back. In exchange, they give up Martinez Rankin, the guard. So this is something where I don't know how much Hyde has left, but they needed somebody. So at least it's a decent placeholder. Also looks like there's significant progress on the Ezekiel Elliott front. A lot of people saying that they think that he is going to sign soon. They're making progress on talks. So that's good news if you are a Dallas Cowboys fan. And, of course, if you're a fantasy football owner, it's great news because you may have Ezekiel Elliott on your team and if you do and you're about to embark on the journey of playing at the DraftAppandDraft.com, this will give you a much better shot at the $3.5 million grand prize in the Best Ball Championship. And you can get an opportunity to play for that $3.5 million for free when you make your first deposit over at the DraftAppandDraft.com if you use the promo code PLAYLIKE. That's PLAYLIKE, P L A Y. L-I-K-E. And on top of that free crack at the $3.5 million, it's an easy league to play in. No salary caps, no auctions, just an easy snake draft. Plus, you don't have to worry about maintaining the roster. They do that for you. They make sure that your best players are in every single week. So, again, it's the draft app, draft.com. Promo code play like P-L-A-Y-L-I-K-E, and you'll get yourself a free crack at that $3.5 million. But, yeah, Chris, 49ers running back Jerick McKinnon, who you may recall Mike McKagnon made a very big effort to sign last offseason. He ends up on season ending IR, so perhaps that ends up being a landing spot for Shady McCoy. Those are the big moves that don't involve releases. We'll talk about those releases after we talk about what the Jets did here, Chris. We're going to get to Ja'Kai Polite, but first, let's talk about a trade the Jets made. They were able to unload Perry Nickerson for a conditional twenty twenty one seventh round pick. To be fair, the way these things work, I would be extremely surprised if the Jets actually ever see that 7th round pick, but the fact that they were even able to get something conditional for Perry Nickerson, who is an older prospect that showed virtually nothing in the last season and a training camp slash preseason, it's not bad.
1: Yeah, it's fairly impressive that he was able to get anything, even though that anything is most likely going to turn out to be nothing. It's still fairly impressive that he has – that there's a possibility that they could end up with a seventh-round draft pick. It's unlikely because I don't think that he'll end up uh, hitting whatever he has to, to to get there, but it's possible, and that's kind of impressive. So um you know, and even if they do get that, it's just a seventh round pick. It's not like that's going to be a, a huge help in the future. But I, I he was gonna, definitely going to get cut. I think everybody knew he was going to get cut. And if you, if you're going to get cut at cornerback on this team and this roster, but somebody's still willing to trade you, trade something for you, yeah, that that Joe Douglas did a good job to go ahead and uh, get the possibility of getting something for him.
2: Also, some kickers in for workouts today, Cody Parkey and Young-Hoo Koo, who, by the way, is from New Jersey. I really want the Jets to get Koo just because then we can have all the fun headlines and do all the wordplay saying that the Jets scored a Koo.
1: (laughs) Yes, that'll be good. And uh, yeah, it's a great name. Uh, Yeah, I mean, now, I forget exactly, I remember he he was like... uh, Kind of like all the rage when he was with the Chargers because he was doing some trick-kick stuff, I believe. I believe I have this right with him. Uh, but then he did not pan out with the Chargers at all, and that was not good. Obviously, uh, Cody Parkey of the Double Doink fame, uh, that, that's not good. But you, you see that clearly the Jets aren't uh, completely content with Bertilette. Uh, you know, if worst case scenario, they have to go with them, then they have to go with them. But clearly they're looking elsewhere. They want some uh, to try some other guys out. Now uh, we we mentioned some guys, the the one's going to get, got cut from the bills and the guy got cut from the Ravens that they could go ahead and look at as well. But clearly uh, Taylor Bertolette should not feel comfortable. He, he has made this roster right now. The first survived the first round of cuts, but his job is still in jeopardy.
2: By the way, Chris, just a little bit of an update. Ian Rappaport from NFL Network is reporting that the full terms of that laramie Tunsil deal are Tunsil, Kenny Stills, and a fourth-rounder to the Texans in exchange for two first-rounders, a second-rounder, special teamer Johnson Badamassi, and offensive lineman Julian Davenport. So it's not much more than what we had heard before, but still interesting. Also, Rappaport is saying that while they did not work out a long-term deal with laramie Tunsil before the deal, Expect there to be one soon. He's got a little bit of leverage here now, Chris, and also I would be extremely surprised if he doesn't end up getting a record-setting deal for a left tackle.
1: Yeah, and this is one of those situations that I'm always talking about. He's he's still got a lot of time left on his deal, uh, but we know how we know he's really good right now. So don't wait wait it out to pay him. Uh, you know, obviously they don't need to rush to pay him this week before. Uh, you know, he suits up for him, but don't, don't sit here and say, all right, we got a couple years to pay him. So let's wait. No, pay him now. Let him set that record now, because if you wait, it's only going to cost you more money. That record, it's going to keep being extended. And the last couple guys setting that record were not people that you want having that record. So go ahead, sign Lar- Laramie Tunsil to that type of contract. Let, let him uh, be rewarded and go ahead and move on from there.
2: Now let's move on to the Jets, Chris, and this 53-man roster. The one that obviously raised a bunch of eyebrows was Jakai Polite. Connor Hughes had mentioned the possibility of Polite being cut, but also said he didn't necessarily expect it. Manish Mehta had also mentioned this. I never took it seriously. I just didn't believe that they would give up on somebody with this type of pass-rushing ability that they just picked in the third round this quickly. But lo and behold, it happened. Connor Rogers, our buddy over at Bleacher Report from Stick to Football with Matt Miller, he is saying that the draft room was very divided on draft night. McCagnon and Adam Gase were on board for picking polite. Greg Williams and the defensive coaches did not want him. McCagnin went ahead and picked him anyway. Now, this begs the obvious question of, we understand Mike McCagnin was not a great general manager, but why on earth would you want to pick somebody that your defensive staff did not want on the team? That seems a little bit bizarre. Having said that, Manish Mehta is reporting that Shaqai Polite had some tardiness issues, including being late to a meeting. I understand that report, and I'm not saying Manish is mistaken by any stretch, but teams have a way of spinning these things after guys are gone to make themselves look better, so that's also possible. Now, we know that Ja'Kai Polite struggled in camp and struggled in the preseason. However, let's remember that he was being asked to do a whole bunch of things and learn a whole bunch of things that he had never had to do before. And let's keep in mind here, Chris, that we all know how difficult it is to learn brand new things when you're coming to the NFL from college that you were never asked to do before. It's even harder to do it within such a short period of time. It sounds to me like Greg Williams didn't want Ja'Kai Polite and then said to himself, okay, they drafted him. Either he's going to conform to what I want my linebackers to be, which is three down linebackers, or... I'm going to prove that he was a waste of a pick and he's going to be out of here rather than what he should have done, in my opinion, which is to say, okay, this kid is really talented at rushing the passer, but he lacks a lot of other things that I like. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to devise ways for him to get at the passer while we work with him. On These other things and try and bring him up to speed and over the long haul, he'll be a project and we'll eventually turn him into the type of linebacker that I like or at least try to in the meantime, we will get a very useful skill out of him because we do not have anything. As far as edge rushers go, our best edge rusher is Jordan Jenkins. He's really more of an edge setter. That to me is what a coach should do. He should adapt his expectations and his scheme around the talent that he has. Instead, it feels like Greg Williams was looking for every excuse to be able to prove that he was right, not wanting him in the first place. And for everybody that has said, well, Greg Williams has been coaching for 30 years. What do you know? I get it. Greg Williams knows more than I do. It doesn't mean that he wasn't mistaken in trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. And for other people that have been saying, well, yeah, even if Greg Williams didn't want him, obviously Joe Douglas had final say on the roster. Yes, absolutely. Joe Douglas had final say on the roster. But here's the thing that you have to remember. Ja'Kai Polite was not a Joe Douglas draft pick, so he is not going to die on the hill of sticking up for Ja'Kai Polite and fighting endlessly to make sure that he stayed on the roster when his defensive coordinator did not want him. And as Chris brought up on the phone before we started recording, this could also be a case of Joe Douglas saying, well, the kid's got talent, but Greg's never going to do anything with him, and I've got other spots on the roster that need tending to, so I might as well just give in to Greg. So we have no idea of knowing exactly how this went down, but that's what it feels like to me. We're going to find out more over time, and for everybody that points to the stuff that I talked about before with him being late, even if that's true, obviously if Greg Williams really liked Polite, there would have been more in terms of a fine or some sort of pull aside and talk to or whatever it is that they would have done rather than just outright releasing him. That's the reality of it. The fact is that Greg Williams obviously didn't think enough of him in the first place. So he was never going to extend him that kind of courtesy, whether you believe that he deserved it or not, if these reports are indeed true. So Chris, this one confounded me. I know it confounded you. There are a lot of people that seem to take some joy in this, which I'm not really sure why, but do you think that I'm somewhat accurate here is what I'm saying, making some sense to you?
1: Yeah, it's absolutely making sense. And Remember what I I said about the Texans situation and uh, having to give up all that to trade for Lammy Tunsil. My problem isn't with with this move and with what happened with Jukai Polite. My problem isn't with the Jets cutting him. My problem is with everything that led from the dra- drafting of him up until now. If you're gonna take a player like Jukai Polite, we we talked we've talked about this before on the podcast. What about Bill Belichick? What does Bill Belichick say? Don't tell me what a player can't Mm -hmm. do, tell me what he can do. Mm -hmm. What Ja'Kai Polite can do is he can rush the passer. He is not a three-down linebacker, uh, but he can rush the passer, which, by the way, is a huge position of need for this team. Mm -hmm. This team hasn't had anyone who can just flat-out rush the passer since John Abraham. Now, so to take a player like that who has, has one trait that he's really good at and then to say, okay, we're going to try to develop you into an all-around linebacker, that's fine if you are willing to redshirt the player. But if you're not willing to redshirt him, then why wouldn't you just focus on the one thing he does really well? It doesn't make sense. They, it, it Greg Williams basically set him up to fail for whatever reason it was. He never ha- had a chance here because there was – There's not a single person out there that around draft time would have said, yeah, Ja'Kai Polite's going to be ready to be a three-down linebacker right out the gate. There's not a single person that would have said that. The people who like to pick, myself included, yourself included, uh, plenty of other people were like, he can rush the passer, he can help in that area right away, and then maybe you can develop him more in the future. I made a comparison on Twitter. It'd be like dry, uh, drafting a receiving tight end and expecting him to be an inline blocker right out the gate. And then when a couple months later he's not good at blocking, you just move on from him. We talked about this beforehand. It's probably better comparison would it be saying that <clears throat> you know you took a you drafted a pitcher in baseball to be a, a reliever that's just got a really impressive fastball and then you try to turn him into a starter and develop the changeup and the, the, the curveball and the slider and all this and then 3 months later you're just like, "Yeah, no, you don't have all the moves now, so you're out of here." That's the problem with this move. If, if that's why it doesn't make any sense. He had a trait that he was really good at. Now, he had off the field concerns. There was uh, you know, concerns about him staying in shape, keeping weight off. There's lots of other concerns. The Benish report um, could play into this as well. But that still doesn't change the fact that they messed this up from the jump. And this isn't revisionist history because we've talked about this on the podcast. We questioned this weeks ago at a time when it was clear that that's what Greg Williams was doing, that it didn't make sense. Now, at the time, I said, all right, well, it doesn't make sense for them to do it, but I guess that they're just going to be willing to redshirt them now. Now, they clearly weren't willing to do that, which makes it seem like they just had no use for them and didn't want to uh, give them even a chance. Because if you're focused, your coach's job is to put the position the players in the p- position that will maximize their talent and ability, that's the coach's job. Greg Williams failed here by trying to make a pass rusher into a three down linebacker. And again, it'd be one thing if you were talking about, you know, a team that had a bunch of pass rushers and you're like, we really need somebody who can set the edge and cover. Then maybe all right. But the Jets had a huge need at pass rusher and he could have helped. Now, I'm not saying he would have been a 10 to 15 sack guy this year, but he could have helped or at least at least if they had taken all the training camp and preseason to say, hey, pin your your ears back and just get after the passer. And let's say he had a full training camp of doing that and preseason of doing that, and he didn't look good, he looked lost just doing that, then fine, cut him, move on at that point, then I'd be all right with it. And, yes, obviously Joe Douglas has no ties, uh, has no allegiance to him, but I had a bunch of people that were like, of course, Joe Douglas should cut him. He has no allegiance to him. Well, no, he doesn't need to keep him because he has no allegiance to him, but he has no allegiance to Sam Darnold either. He's not going to cut Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold and that obviously I'm being hyperbolic here. I'm not comparing JuKai polite at this time to the value of Sam Darnold. But if a player can help you, then you figure out how he can help you and you put him in the best position to help you. And you don't you don't keep a player just because you have allegiance, and you don't cut a player just because you don't have allegiance. It just where the problem is is how they started this whole process. That's where they went wrong. At this point, I get Joe Douglas, like you said, and we were talking about. I could totally see Joe Douglas being like, "Hey, this kid's got talent, but Greg Williams isn't going to use him that way, so it's just going to take up a roster spot. Let's move on." I could also see. Uh, you know, maybe the Eagles were were the team that he had a really bad interview mm-hmm. with, and mm-hmm. maybe he just said he he didn't want them and he was making this move anyway. That's that's entirely possible and understandable, and the cut can be explained away in that way. And I, and I'm not going to argue that. That still doesn't change the fact that Greg Williams did not put him in the best position to succeed, and uh, fans, uh, you know, the whole. You, he's been in the league 30. NFL is not a meritocracy. I don't know how many times we need to point this out, improve this. Uh Greg Williams is far from infallible. He certainly knows more about football and about defense than I do, but he's made plenty of huge glaring mistakes that were obvious to people before and to try to develop immediately change Kai Polite from a designated pass rusher into a 3 down linebacker was a mistake unless that's what he was intending to do uh, to just to make the pick look bad and to move on.
2: By the way, it's entirely possible that if Ja'Kai Polite was heavier than before, it was because the Jets suggested that he be heavier because he was going to need to be a three down linebacker. So we'll find out about that. The other thing I'll add is listen, if Mike McKagan made this pick, against greg williams and the defensive staff's wishes that's certainly a bizarre choice and under those circumstances i would think you'd go with somebody like chase winovich who would fit better what greg williams is looking for but still that doesn't absolve greg williams in this because even if he was against the pick You still, as a coach, have an obligation to try and get the absolute most out of what you have. You know that Ja'Kai Polite is capable of rushing the passer. You can go ahead and watch Joe Blewett's film review. It's not like he only has one move. He's got multiple moves. He's very good with his hands. He's somebody that can get off quick. He's got that great first step. Excellent Twitch. So there was something that could be done there. I'm not saying that he was going to be Bruce Irvin, but what I said earlier on Twitter is that he's kind of in that Bruce Irvin mold. He's a guy that's a pass rush specialist only. Now, maybe he could have developed into something else. I don't know. And maybe he ends up never doing anything in the NFL. But I think it's way early to make that determination based on what he had done in college and based on the fact that they tried to make him do all these things that he wasn't comfortable doing right off the bat. And that obviously messed him up. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here with Ja'Kai Polite. If somebody puts in a waiver claim, I do suspect that somebody's going to give him a shot. And hopefully he does well somewhere else. I think he's got a lot of talent. It's a shame that it didn't work out here for him with the Jets, but hopefully he ends up being able to catch on somewhere else and do well.
3: Hey, guys, this is Greg Peterson With your host, Scott Mason.
2: Chris, let's go through the rest of these cuts and see how we did here. Luke Falk and Davis Webb are both gone. I suspect that Falk will end up sticking around on the practice squad, but we both called that. Valentine Holmes is gone, but he's going to end up on the practice squad because, as we talked about, the Jets get a free practice squad spot for him, so no big surprise there. Quincy Adebayajo, who they brought in a couple of days ago, he's gone. Deontay Burnett, we both said that we thought he was a lock at one point, but in our final prediction yesterday, we both had him off the roster. He is gone, and I'm going to have to quote... One of my favorite bands, Sad to See You Go, was sort of hoping that you'd stay. That's a line from Do I Want to Know by the Arctic Monkeys. If you don't know the song, go ahead and look it up. It's a great song. Also, Deontay Thompson, another wide receiver and special teamer. He's out. Speaking of special teams, Sharon Peak. he's gone. Jeff Smith is also gone. Eric Tomlinson is gone. Calvin Anderson is gone. Sorry about that, Alan Schechter. I know he's your buddy. Ryan Anderson, gone. Ben Braden, gone. Wyatt Miller, gone. Jordan Morgan, gone. Eric Smith gone, John Toth is gone, Justin Alexander is gone, Trevon Sanders, Mike Stout, Stephon Anthony, so far everybody I mentioned we figured was going to get cut. Here's where I start to take a little bit of a dip because I thought that James Burgess was going to stick, he gets cut, Jamie Mosley, the younger brother of C.J. Mosley, he's gone, Ja'Kai Polite, we already spoke about him, Anthony Wint is gone. Blessing Austin is gone, but I suspect that he's going to end up on the practice squad. Alex Brown, who we both thought was going to make the squad as a cornerback, probably as a developmental prospect, somebody that could pitch in here and there. He had shown flashes during the preseason. He's out we both said Kyron Brown would make it because the Jets were taking such care of him with his injuries. Well, guess what? Nope. He's gone too. Tevon Campbell is out. Hanging with Marcus Cooper is out, which I'm kind of surprised about given his level of experience and what he had done in the last preseason game. I don't know how to pronounce his name, so forgive me here, but Godwin Igawabuki, he's gone. Derek Kindred, this one surprised me too. They had claimed him a couple of days ago on waivers. He was a starter a couple of years ago for the Browns. He is gone. Perry Nickerson, we talked about, he got traded. Matt Darr is gone, which means Lachlan Edwards survives. He's the last man standing, and he will once again fill the dual role of punter and ace holder. I think they should start a holder position in the Pro Bowl, and at that rate, Lachlan Edwards would get to the Pro Bowl every single year. And then obviously, we know that Brandon Copeland and Christopher Herndon are suspended. And will not be starting the season. So, Chris, some interesting names there. Nothing that was hugely shocking except for Ja'Kai Polite. The rest of them, there were some surprises, but nothing too insane. This is going to be kind of interesting now, Chris, because I think there's going to be a lot of movement over the next day or two as far as waiver claims and such By the Jets But one thing we got right At least for now Is Taylor Bertolette Is the kicker On the initial 53-man roster We'll see if Parkey Or Koo Or somebody else Comes in And is able to Wrestle that spot away But we got that one right Some of these We did not get right But overall Chris Before we get into The waiver claims And all that stuff That could happen Down the line What are your thoughts On the initial 53-man roster
1: Yeah obviously We went through Polite The big surprise uh, kindred. You know, when they first made that trade, I I was like, oh, he's gonna end up getting cut. But then I uh, did the math in my head and realized he was tied to Greg Williams at the the late stages. They brought him in. That's really the only reason that I I thought he might have a chance to make it. Uh, and with the cornerbacks too, with Alex Brown, Kyron Brown, Marcus Cooper, even Tevon Campbell. Uh, all of them. I'm not surprised that they're not going to be on the week one uh, active roster. I'm not surprised by that for any of those players, including Kindred. But I am a little surprised that they got that they didn't survive. At least a couple of them didn't survive this round of cuts. I thought maybe that they would make this cut, and then after they, uh, you know, addressed it and signed some other players, that they would then probably end up getting victimized. At least a couple of them. The Chiron Brown thing, like you said, it was weird just because. Adam Gase said that he was healthy enough to play against the Eagles the other night, but they held him out. And to do that with a player on the bubble and that you're not going to keep, that seems kind of – I don't know about that. That That doesn't seem fair to him. Like um, Unless maybe they were just thinking, all right, we don't want to risk you getting injured and then a, a team won't pick you up. So maybe he was in on that decision. I don't know but so that would be you know one of the more surprising ones only because of that obviously they traded for Stevon Anthony uh, or they got uh, they didn't trade for him but they brought him in late in the process burgess was a little bit of a surprise because of you know the injuries that they the issues at inside linebacker there and uh, he was getting a lot of first team reps but again this is the danger of really trying to like take something from a player getting first team reps in training camp, uh, especially when Greg Williams is moving guys in and out as much as he has been because Alex Brown was getting them. Kyron Brown was getting them. Marcus Cooper was getting them. Tevon Campbell was, was getting them. They were all getting a lot of first team reps at cornerback in this, uh, this training camp and they're all gone. James Burgess was getting a lot of first team reps uh, in camp and he's gone. So uh, you have to be careful when uh, paying attention to training camp reports that say, oh, first-team reps, that means he's making this team, or he, he might get playing time because these guys didn't even end up making the roster. So the otherwise, you know, Calvin Anderson, <coughs> he's got that uh, Rubik's Cube secret talent that, that was really good, um, but that's not going to help him. We talked about Valentine Holmes being added to the practice squad, I'm sure. And then, yeah, the receiver situation. Uh, we, we were both wrong on Deontay Burnett and Tim White a couple weeks ago, but the last couple weeks you could see that coming up and picking up uh, steam. Uh, I could see both of them being possible practice squad candidates as well. Um, but, yeah, not not a whole lot of surprises outside of the uh, addition of or the subtraction of Ja'Kai Polite.
3: Play
0: like a jet. Play like a jet
3: with your host Scott Mason.
2: Let's go through who actually made the team. Now we had the quarterbacks right. It was Donald and Simeon. Running backs, we were on the money as well. Le'Veon Bell, Ty Montgomery, Bilal Powell, and Trenton Cannon. Wide receiver: Robbie Anderson, jameson Crowder, Quincy and Josh Bellamy, Greg dorch We had that right. Tight ends, we were also right. Ryan Griffin, Trevon Wesco, Daniel Brown. Offensive line, we were almost completely right. We had Beecham, Assimile, Khalil, Winters, Shell, Adoga, Compton, Harrison, Lewis, and Brent Quale was the one we didn't have, but in fairness, I thought that he was on the injury list, so I didn't even think about him. Defensive line, we had Leo Williams, Quinn Williams, Henry Anderson, Steve McClendon, Foley, Fadakoski, Bronson, Kafusi. We both said we thought Kyle Phillips was to up on the practice squad. Nope, he makes the active roster. As does Canadian Thanos, Nathan Shepard, who sticks around. I thought he was going to get the axe. At linebacker, it's Mosley, Neville Hewitt, Jordan Jenkins, Harvey Lange, Blake Cashman, Frankie Louvu, Terrell Basham. We had all of those correct, but... We were wrong about Albert McClellan, who sticks around. I had Burgess there. At corner, Tremaine Johnson, Daryl Roberts, Brian Poole, Nate Hairston. Those were the no-brainers. Arthur Millette is the one who sticks around. I had thought that Alex Brown would be here. Jamal Adams, Marcus May, Matthias Farley, Rontez Miles, and Doug Middleton stick around. So Doug Middleton, who we both thought was going to get cut, sticks around. I think that's good. I like Doug Middleton. I still think he has potential. I didn't think that the coaching staff loved him. That's why I thought he was going to be moving on, but I'm glad that he's staying. Lachlan Edwards wins the punter battle. For now, Taylor Bertolette sticks around the kicker. And, of course, Thomas Hennessy will continue to be the long snapper. By the way, just a correction from before, Blessing Austin was not released. He was put on the active non-football injury list, so he is going to end up not having to cost him a practice squad spot or a roster spot. It'll just be a redshirt year for him, most likely. So that's what the roster looks like now. I think that there are going to be a lot of changes. One of them may be Josh Adams, who was released by the Eagles. Manish Mehta had mentioned the possibility of the Jets going after him if he got released. You and I talked about it yesterday, and it hit both of us after we recorded that the odd man out at running back, if they sign Adams, is not going to be Trenton Cannon. Sad to say, it's probably going to be Bilal Powell.
1: Yeah, it's most likely I would... Think it would be Bilal there. And a uh, large part, like you just said, it's one of those things that just randomly hit me. I was like, oh, this makes all the sense in the world. Um, Bilal, Pal, Ty Montgomery, and Le'Veon Bell are all similar running backs. And it's a great way to be similar because they're good at everything, but they don't have a big bruising back. Uh, Adams is much uh, more of that. And so I could see Joe Douglas saying, hey, we want somebody who could we could use as a big body back in short yardage situations at times. And obviously he was with, they were both with the Eagles. So he has a familiarity there and that Aaron Wilson report from yesterday could have just been the jets were interested in Adams. And so he thought they were just looking for running backs when they were just had their sights set on this one specific running back. Uh, so that's a definite possibility. I did want to say that uh, I am officially the Doug Middleton jinx now because I've been all on the Doug Middleton bandwagon for years and years and years. He kept getting hurt and not making the roster. This time, I was like, oh, he's not going to make the roster, <laughs> and he's made the roster. I, my opinion on that was basically just how little they used him, but they liked him enough to keep him around, at least for now. Obviously, he, he's still got to sweat out the next 24, 48 hours, But he's safe for now, so maybe I should just continue to say he's never going to be anything and that he can develop into one of the best safeties of all time. Uh, (laughs) The Nathan Shepard one was a little confusing to me. And go ahead and cut him and keep Ja'Kai polite at this point. Nathan Shepard's not seeing any playing time, even if he does stick, and I think that he'll probably be, uh, be a name that could go. The Mallette one was definitely a little bit of a surprise there. Um, of, the, I would have thought someone like Kyron Brown would have upped them But I guess when they went back and watched the tape They liked Mallette more there So there's, there's some interesting moves there for sure But the Jets have a whole lot of work to do And go poaching players from uh, other teams that, To uh, put on their active roster
2: couple of names to think about here. Josh Doxson, the wide receiver from the Washington yeah. Redskins. Now, he's somebody that was very disappointing in Washington, former first-round pick out of TCU, but... There's certainly talent there. I remember specifically some plays that he made in the 2017 season when I was living in the DMV area. There was one catch in particular that he made in a game where the Redskins came from behind to win at the end against the Seattle Seahawks when Kirk Cousins threw a pass that Doxson just laid out for and made this incredible diving catch. In fact, if you go back and look in 2017, he had a really high grade on passes at the point of the catch. So the thing about Doxson to me, Chris, is that. That is different than the receivers that the Jets currently have. Crowder is a smaller, shifty, speedy guy. Anunwa is a big guy, but he's not necessarily like red zone target big. Robbie Anderson is your deep threat. Doxon could be that red zone guy that you could go up to because he's got a lot of height. And he's very good at the point of the catch. So I think that that's a guy they could look at trying to bring in here perhaps... To compete with Josh Bellamy for the fourth receiver spot,
1: I love me some Josh Doxon. I was a huge fan of him coming out of TCU. Uh, he had some injury issues in Washington. They they also have not been the most functional offense these last couple of years. So there was there's uh, some of that plays into it. Um, but he obviously hasn't panned out like I thought. But like you just talked about his uh, the way he is at the point of attack. Uh, to b- bring him in as a fourth receiver i see absolutely no downside in giving that a shot right now it makes all the sense in the world i do think he can be salvaged and you're not going you're only gonna get guys right now that haven't panned out you're not gonna get or that are on the downside of the career that's that's all you're gonna get right now <clears throat> he's as good of a possibility that you're gonna get on the in the waiver wire as to, it goes to receivers so i absolutely all for that move it's a move that they should definitely make and like you said he brings something a little bit different than what the the rest of the receivers have he can definitely at, uh, add something to this receiver group and contribute and uh in ways to help everybody out sam darnold in this entire offense
2: another guy who was released noah Spence who had shown some pass rush ability in his rookie season. Obviously, a very prolific pass rusher in college, but he kind of fell off a cliff. There were some injuries that derailed him, and he ended up not being able to do much after that fairly successful rookie season, but still a young player with a lot of potential, so he could be worth a look. You bring him in and see what you get out of him. Maybe he can take the spot that was vacated by Ja'Kai Polite.
1: Yeah, this, I would do it, but if... Uh, I, I don't know that Greg w- it will will do that or Greg will want him or Greg would use him any differently. What who's to say that he wouldn't then try to turn Noah Spence into the same thing he tried to turn Ja'Kai Polite in? Um I I don't I get wanting guys to be three down linebackers and all around being able to cover and set the edge. But when you need pass rush, I don't understand a problem of having pass a pass rush specialist. Again, Belichick employs lots of specialists on his teams, and it's one of the things. Most coaches overthink things. Belichick has at times overthought things, but most, more often than not, he keeps things simple and uses players at what they're good at, and Noah Spence... Uh, I was another player. I loved coming out. I uh, to keep be honest, I have not watched Tampa Bay a lot these last couple of years. So I was caught off guard on this because I, I know he was doing good a little while uh, a year or so ago. But I was caught off guard by this, and my immediate reaction was, "Yep, bring him in." But now that I thought about it. I don't know if they'll do that because of Greg Williams. If Greg Williams has, uh, you know, doesn't want a, a designated pass rusher. If he only wants those full, uh, well-rounded guys, then I don't know that it makes sense.
2: Another notable cut, although I don't think this is going to have anything to do with the Jets, but Kyle Laletta, who the Giants drafted last year after deciding not to pick Sam Darnold in the first, people were saying, well, he's the quarterback of the future, just after Davis Webb was supposed to be the quarterback of the future. Well, now Daniel Jones, I guess, is the quarterback of the future, and Kyle Laletta is sent packing. I actually like Laletta coming out of school. I felt like he could potentially develop into a decent backup, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him catch on somewhere as a number three quarterback and for a coach to like him and try to develop him into something because he was a very heady quarterback in college. He wasn't somebody that was super toolsy. He didn't have a huge arm, but he was able to get the ball where it needed to go and was, like I said, a smart quarterback. So I think that if you have a coach that values those traits, they might bring him in and stash him away as a third quarterback and see if they can work with him.
1: Yeah, watching him in college, it was like a Chad Pennington type of mm-hmm. uh, quarterback, you right. know, a, a very smart guy without the the physical t- tools to be like elite, but you could see him carving out a role uh, as, a, as a solid backup or even help you in pinch uh, type situations. Obviously, he had the, those off the field troubles last year. I don't remember whatever came of any of that stuff, um, but that that could have played into it, but obviously now uh, uh, I'm not sure what the Giants, the rest of their quarterback situation is, though, either, because you know how much longer is Eli going to be around and when is Daniel Jones going to be the starter? But I I wouldn't be surprised to see another team give him a shot in a backup role. It won't be the Jets, though.
2: Yeah, no question. There's no way. If they do end up getting a third quarterback, he'll be on the practice squad, and it will most likely be... Luke Falk. Those are the only moves that are really worth talking about as far as the Jets go. With the waiver wire claims, there are obviously going to be plenty of other names that they're going to look at, but those were the ones that stuck out. One last thought before we go, though, Chris, just to add to what you said before about how the pressure is now on the Dolphins to hit on those draft picks because they just traded away a cornerstone piece. An NFL executive texted Adam Schefter and said, I remember a time when people talked about the Browns having multiple picks Those picks turned into Brandon Whedon, Justin Gilbert, Johnny Manziel, and Cam Irving. So worth remembering that it's great to have draft picks, but you do still have to use them in a productive way. Obviously, this also puts the Dolphins in the driver's seat as far as finding a new quarterback if Rosen doesn't end up being the guy. Because whether it's Trevor Lawrence in 2021 or Tua in 2020, they have plenty of ammo for trade even if they don't get the first overall pick. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens. But Chris, like I said, to me, the big takeaway here is that the Texans just firmly put themselves in the lead for that division over the Colts, even though I do think the Colts are going to be very lively. I think Brissett is better than a lot of people think, and that roster is stacked. And the Dolphins basically just made themselves a historically awful roster. The only real piece that they have on that team... They have a few decent players, but the only guy on that team that if he was available every team in the league or most teams in the league would want is Xavier Howard, the cornerback, who's one of the best young cornerbacks in the league. The Jets need to beat the Dolphins twice this year. And as I said, with Laramie Tunsil gone, that defensive line, which is the strongest unit on the Jets now has to make sure that they get to Josh Rosen or Ryan Fitzpatrick, whoever it is, multiple times a game because without Tunsil there, that offensive line goes down about five notches. So they've got to make the most of it, Chris. Those two Miami games were must-win before. Now they're even bigger must-wins because there's no excuse for them to not sweep the Dolphins.
1: Yeah, no excuse there. And, uh, man, do I feel bad for Josh Rosen when he gets his chance now. Uh, Miami offensive line was already not great, and now they just lost Tunsil And he's if when he does play, he's probably he's going to be behind an offensive line that was somehow worse than Arizona's offensive line last year. Uh, And that's saying something because Arizona's line was really bad last year. Uh, There's that, you know, I've been joking about Fitzpatrick somehow managing to pull out a win or two against the Jets just because that's what Fitzpatrick does. Um, But. Man, it's hard to see with that offensive line and the rest of uh, that roster not being good at all. So the fish tank is in full force uh, once once again, and they better win those two games.
2: And we will see if they actually do win those two games. The season is right around the corner. Those two games against the Miami Dolphins will be here before you know it. And I'm really excited as we get ready to see who will actually be on this team Once the season begins, because we have the initial 53-man roster, but there are going to be a lot of waiver claims put in. This roster is going to look a lot different when it's all said and done. And Chris and I will be back tomorrow to break down the waiver claims and give you an overview of what the new and improved, or at least we hope improved, Jets roster looks like after all the dust settles. Chris, I know you've got a running list of what's been going on with the Jets and all the moves along with your deputy editor, Alan Schechter over at JetsInsider.com. So why don't you tell everybody about that and whatever else you've got up there at the moment.
1: Yeah, so I got two different things up there right now. Uh, One with all the cuts that were made and the addition. Um, Matthias Farley, he's the only addition so far. Um, And then I have... Uh, another article that, sh- that lays out the 53-man roster by position. I put uh, the players uh, that I think are s- at most risk of being cut in bold there. So you can you can see that. The, the Blau Pals, uh, all, all those things, they're, they're listed in bold. So I got that. Obviously, tomorrow, the uh, waiver wire claims and uh, who is going to what team will be announced. Once those are all announced, then I and then they can start uh, all the players that weren't claimed on the waiver wire can be start being added to the practice squad. Once all of that's announced, then I will go through this roster with the fine tooth uh, comb to, you know, really see uh, the strengths and weaknesses there. And we'll really start breaking down and analyzing this roster from there. Um, and then uh, after that is all set, we will look uh, onto Buffalo, get ready for the season. But I'm uh, definitely going to be doing a lot to uh, analyze and break down this roster.
2: Go ahead and follow Chris on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. Follow his deputy editor, Alan Schechter, at Alan underscore Schechter. Read Chris's very big deal work over at jetsinsider.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. It's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.